Heavenly Father, we worship you this morning, Lord, because you are worthy, you are mighty, your name is great and greatly to be praised. We pray, Lord, as we open your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit would be hard at work, Lord, that you would reveal to us through your scriptures what you would will of us, Father. We pray that we would be submissive to your word, Lord. Pray that we would be convicted where we need to be convicted, encouraged where we need to be encouraged, Lord. Just pray that you would bless this service this morning. In your Son's name, amen. This morning, we'll be starting a series on Romans, Lord willing, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, the book of Romans is rich with deep theological teachings, encouragements, corrections, and instructions for daily Christian life, as well as the body of Christ as a whole. The book of Romans is where the New Testament really shifts gears from the basic gospel to the milk, from the milk that new believers need to be fed, to the meat that all believers need to progress in their pursuit of being conformed to the image of Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans around the year 57 AD through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul was one of the most well-respected and educated Jews at the time. He knew the law through and through. He had devoted his life to the law and to persecuting Christians specifically. It wasn't until Jesus himself appeared to him on the road to Damascus and transformed him that he became the beloved apostle and teacher that we all are so familiar with. In the book of Romans, Lord willing, we will understand in greater detail many critical parts of the Christian walk, such as sin and salvation and the cross, the relationship between Christ and his church, the Holy Spirit and sanctification, the Jewish people and where they stand in God's plan, and general instruction for Christian life. With that introduction, would you please stand with me if you are able for the reading of God's word. Romans 1, verses 1 through 17. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, 
because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in telling the good news about his Son, that I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers that, that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Before we start breaking down this section of scripture, there's a couple of things that are important to understand about Rome and the time that Paul wrote this letter. Historically, the Jewish people were God's chosen people. God's laws and covenants were given to the Jewish people as well as the promise of a savior. After Christ's crucifixion, it became clear that Jesus did not come just for the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. This, as you can imagine, created some strife between the Jewish people who had converted to Christianity and to the Gentiles. To make matters worse, there were several periods in history in which the Roman emperor had expelled the Jewish people from the city of Rome. The emperor Claudius again expelled the Jewish people from the city of Rome right around the time the early church was getting started, so this complicated things further. The Jews, who had primarily been the spiritual leaders at the time, would leave Rome to come back later to find Gentiles running the churches. Paul addresses this conflict throughout the book of Romans. He also spends a lot of time speaking about the Jewish people who have not converted as well. In verses 1 through 4 of today's text, he makes the case for Christ, and his language is intentional to clearly identify Christ as the promised Savior that the prophets had been proclaiming throughout the Old Testament. Paul opens his letter to the church in Rome, clearly defining who he is and the authority he has been given by Christ Jesus. He describes himself as set apart for the gospel of God. A servant of Christ set apart for the gospel of God. Amen. Isn't that what we all are, believers? God has called us out of our sin and set us apart for the gospel. He continues to identify Jesus Christ as the one the prophets promised throughout Jewish history 
and then points to his lineage to back up his claim. So Paul identifies who he is, who he is serving, <clears throat> excuse me, and he continues by proclaiming the grace given to him by God and then his mission. The mission that God sent him on and the mission that God has sent all of us on. We as believers are called out to be different than the world around us. It should be evident to those around us who we are in Christ and whom we serve. Who do you serve, church, and why? It is solely by the grace of God that he has sacrificed his son, granted us repentance, and adopted us into his kingdom. But why? Does Paul declare here we have received grace to live in abundance? Does he declare we have received grace that we might have nice things and live a comfortable, cushy life? No. We have been called out, set apart for the gospel by the Son of God Almighty, and we have received his grace so that we might bring about the obedience of faith for his name's sake among all the Gentiles. Translation, God has given us grace that we will be about his business. We will do his work. We will spread the gospel. We will care for his church. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of God, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The commandment here is clear and simple. If we love him, then we will feed his sheep. Feeding the sheep of God's flock does not only mean to share the gospel, but to care for them, to tend to them, to disciple them. What good is it to feed sheep once and then stop? Will they not starve? This is a daily commission, church. We are called to daily be about the Father's work, to tend to his flock, and to feed them until we depart from this earth. Christ has entrusted us believers with the task of caring for his precious bride, the church. 
The believer is given two main tasks here on earth. To preach the gospel and to care for and preserve the church. When we depart from this earth and stand before a holy God, will we be able to say with confidence that we accomplish these tasks? And this is what it is all about, church. We're six verses into the book of Romans, and the Holy Spirit wastes no time. Before we even get to Paul's greeting to the church at Rome, the Holy Spirit is hard at work convicting us. Amen? Verses 8 through 12. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in telling the good news about his Son, that I constantly mention you, always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you, that is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine." The church of Rome is not only well-established, but it's also flourishing. The faith of the church of Rome is being reported in all the world. Paul has not had the opportunity to visit the church in Rome yet, but word has spread like wildfire. Keep this in mind as we progress through Romans. Although this church is well-established and flourishing, there is always room to grow. There is always room for sanctification. Paul will continue not only to encourage the church, but also to correct it where necessary. Remember, brothers and sisters, even if it seems we have it all together, we don't know everything, we're not doing everything perfectly, and we can always benefit from exhortation from fellow believers. Paul then continues to share how much he desires to come visit the church. Again, we see here, though, the purpose of his trip is not just to give the church a pat on the back, but to serve the church, to strengthen it, and for his own encouragement as well. In verses 1 through 8, we are challenged to clearly identify ourselves as servants of Christ and proclaimers of the gospel. Now in verses 8 through 12, there's a new challenge. Equally as important to sharing the gospel for the believer is the obligation to encourage and strengthen one another. As believers, we are one body, united in Christ. We are called to work together for the good of the kingdom. Have you ever heard the saying, many hands make light work? Working together as a whole bearing one another's burdens, we can accomplish so much more. I encourage you this morning, church, do not forsake the fellowship of the saints. Be a part of the body. Don't try to go it alone. Help one another. Bear with one another. First Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 26 says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. 
For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the, body, if the whole body were an ear, where would be the, whole, the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Church, we are all united. One body in Christ, with Christ as our head. The body, for the body to function properly, we must all work together, not just for the sake of our own well-being, but for the sake of the body as a whole. Not everyone will have the same calling. We will all be blessed with different gifts. But this does not mean that we don't have a calling or that we don't have gifts. We all have a God-ordained purpose in his church, and it is our duty as believers to find out what it is and to fulfill it. It is our job as believers to be a part of the body, to be doing what God has called us to do, and to be supporting the other members around us. A body does not function unless all the parts of the body work together and support one another. Likewise, the body of Christ does not function properly unless each person is doing what God has called them to do and supporting other, the other members around them as well. We need support from one another. If you try to go alone, you will burn out. God has designed the church specifically in this way, that we might encourage and strengthen one another. This is the intent of verses 11 through 12 here. Even though Paul has not visited the church of Rome yet, he is united with them in spirit as one body. We, brothers and sisters, are called to unite together, not only with our little church locally, but with the body as a whole. We are called to reach out and support other believers around us and work together with the same desire and passion for the gospel, encouraging one another, supporting one another through word and through prayer, being about our Father's business. 
verses 13 through 15. Now I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to wise and foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. In verses 11 through 12, Paul emphasizes his desire to come and visit the church in Rome for purposes of working together to strengthen and encourage one another. Now here in verses 13 through 15, he shifts to his primary goal, the reason he was called to be an apostle and the calling that we all share as believers to preach the gospel. We all have different gifts and skill sets, but as believers in Christ, we will all share the same duty to share the gospel in and out of season. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within you. I'm not saying that we all be called to stand behind a pulpit, but we are all called to proclaim Christ in one form or another throughout our lives. Whether it be through leadership in a church, witnessing to co-workers or family members, raising your children in his word, bringing the gospel abroad through missions, or by supporting others called to missions, the primary goal is the same, to spread the gospel, to make his name known, to share the good news. Should be exciting, church. We should be excited to share the gospel because we are excited about what he has done in us. We should desire to serve his kingdom. Notice here, Paul not only desires to minister to the church, he is also planning to come preach the gospel. This is not just a wish-I-could-someday desire. This is an active plan with a purpose. This is the gospel in action. There is movement. There is planning. There is momentum behind Paul's ministry. Church, our goals and ambitions as the body of Christ should have planning behind it, should be actively progressing. There should be movement, growth, desire, change. All of these actions driven by the Holy Spirit with a purpose. To have a fruitful ministry to preach the gospel to the Greek and the barbarian, to the wise and the foolish, there is no distinction here for Paul between who is worthy of the gospel and who isn't. He does not write to the church in Rome that he has heard good reports of the church, so he doesn't need to come visit. He tells them that he has heard their faith is strong and he is planning to come proclaim the gospel to them and to encourage and strengthen them. Paul says he is eager to preach the gospel to them. What started as a desire has taken root as a plan, and now Paul is eager to see this plan through. Church, when we meditate on his word, when we listen to the Holy Spirit and submit ourselves to the Lord in all things, he will give us desires that conform to his will. And when we take these desires and begin to plan on them, we will be eager to act on them as well. 
So let's ask ourselves this morning, do we have a plan? We a church with a plan. Do we have a vision? Are we eagerly awaiting an opportunity to carry out the Lord's work? If you are sitting here this morning with no desires and no plan, if you've gotten a little too comfortable here on earth, if you are sitting here this morning and have never repented of your sins and placed your faith in Christ, if we as a church are just coasting by with no vision, if we have become stagnant, we need to repent. We need to seek the Lord. We need to change our priorities and seek first the kingdom of God. Let's ask ourselves, church, if God has given us a desire, if God has not given us a desire to do his will, is it because he has failed? Because he has no purpose for us? By no means. The most likely answer is that sin in the flesh has slowly crept into our lives or that the things of this world have simply taken priority over our relationship with God. I can say with confidence this morning, if you seek him first, he will change your desires. If you make it an absolute priority in your life to spend time in his word and in prayer, if you submit to the Lord in all things, if you accept the fact that your life on this earth is not your own, you will be conformed to his will. <clears throat> Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that is, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. A living sacrifice. <clears throat> the time we have here on earth is not our own, brothers. We are here with a job to do. We are called to be a living sacrifice to be daily about the Lord's work, to feed his sheep, to be in opposition to this world and to be transformed by the word of God. It is hard work, brothers. We are called to hard work, to sacrifice, to fight our flesh, to reject this world and embrace the kingdom of God. This is no easy task, church. So how do we do it? What gives us the motivation? What drives us to continue and pick up our cross daily? The answer is in verses 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith.
It is by faith that we are called to live. And it is through faith that the righteousness of God will be revealed to us. We are not ashamed of the gospel and we will proclaim it boldly because it is through the gospel we have received salvation. We have faith that the gospel is true and our salvation is secure. We share the gospel because it is the gospel that our faith is founded on. You cannot be assured of your salvation through any works of the law. There is nothing you can do to preserve it. It is secured solely by the power of God. And this is where we place our faith. If you are lacking in faith this morning, I proclaim to you, Almighty God in heaven sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. He bore your sins on the cross and died that you might have eternal life. If you have repented and believe, the sins that once separated you from a holy God are wiped clean. The best thing that could ever happen to you has already happened. You who were once doomed to a life of sin, corruption, and ultimately death have been given a second chance. Christ has laid down his life for you. A holy God sacrificed his son for you. You have been given the gift of eternal life. Before you were in your mother's womb, he paid that price for you. Don't let that be in vain, church. Repent of your sin, place your faith in him, and then boldly proclaim this message to the world, unashamed. Live by faith, church. Don't live by this world. Don't find your identity in your job or your hobbies or in your children. Don't let the distractions of this world and the temptations of the flesh stand between you and the high calling God has given to you. Identify in Christ above all else. Be about his business. Feed his sheep. Live by faith. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord, with, with heavy hearts, Lord. I know my own heart, Lord. I'm just repentant of being distracted by this world and the things around me, Father. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would transform our hearts, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell in us and change the desires of our hearts to conform to your will. I pray, Lord, that 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 would be our mission here on this earth, is to bring about your will, to be about your business, to proclaim your gospel, Father. And just pray, Lord, that you would bless that and that it would be fruitful. We just give ourselves this morning, Lord, as a living sacrifice to you this morning, Lord. Just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.